0: All right, welcome to another episode of Hill Law Firm Cases podcast. Uh, As we've been doing, we have a few Q&A sessions with local lawyers. We like to get them on and talk to them about things. Uh, Today we have Steven Lopez, who's a partner with the law offices of Oscar Garza. The law firm of Oscar A. Garza. Okay, I'll make sure I got it right. Uh, Steven went to Baylor... Uh, Like myself, he was a little bit behind me at Baylor, uh, but it's a small group of lawyers here in town that are Baylor lawyers. I want to talk to him about a few things, talk to him about his community involvement. And because he's a little bit behind me, I want to talk to him sort of about um, sort of where his career is going and what he sees in our city. So uh, first, Stephen, where were you born and raised? Where'd
1: you do college and all that? Sure. I was born in Chicago, Illinois. That's where my mom and dad lived when I was born. I was there for only about a year. I got to Texas as soon as I as soon as I could. What right neighborhood? In Chicago, South Side. Okay. So I was born in the South Side of Sox. Chicago. Tough. It was yeah. tough. White Sox people living out there as an infant. <laughs> so it's where I got all my all so my
0: street, Craig. So then you went to the RGV.
1: Yes. Then I lived in the Valley. I'm from Harlingen. Harlingen Cardinal. Cardinal spirit never dies. So it's still alive and well in my blood. Um, that's where I went to high school. After high school, went to UT. And then after UT, spent about nine years in Los Angeles. and Then went to Baylor Law School in 2009. Then did some time in Dallas after law school. And then moved here about 2015. Little
0: known fact, Stephen
1: went to L.A. to make it as an
0: actor. And your big break was a commercial. Who? Which one? Uh, my
1: big break was a Breakfast Jack commercial. Okay, Jack in the Box. Jack in the box, but I I did get edited out quite heavily. If you see the commercial today, you can see my head pushing a guy in a bed through the drive-through.
0: Okay. I feel like I remember that. Now we're not going to say the number, but when you told me how much money you got paid for that, it was a shocking amount of money for a commercial that you had like a three second spot. So you kind of made it, but then you decided this isn't enough for me. I'm going to go to law school. What made you choose Baylor Law?
1: Well, I I, I d I wouldn't say that I made it. I mean made, made I it. made some money. That's the you know, that commercial was the highest paying thing I did in nine years. So <laughs> mostly I went on a lot of auditions, went to a lot of classes, uh, and bartended at night. But Is it was it like a, Barry? It was a little bit like Barry. There yeah. used to be a show uh with Brian Green, I think his name was, produced by George Clooney about being an actor in LA and it was on HBO. Brian Austin to- Green? Brian, uh, no, maybe 90210? No, 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 maybe but, not Brian. Grant. Okay, we're getting
0: sidetracked. This, this is a lawyer podcast. How sorry, did you end sorry, up sorry. at Baylor?
1: Uh, I ended up at Baylor because it was the best school in Texas that accepted me. I think that's fair. Um, you know, I... I
0: did you want to do litigation?
1: I did. I wanted to do litigation. I thought I'd be best on my feet, and it was a toss-up between SMU and Baylor. They were more tied in the rankings at the time. I got into both. And I, I chose Baylor because it was the boot camp of law school. And better value. So, yeah. It was supposed to be more challenging. So that's why. What, what I did. did
0: you learn in your acting classes that you think translates well into the practice of law that we do, which is personal injury litigation?
1: Acting itself is truth telling. You know, you try to find the truth in whatever situation you're in, be honest with your emotions honest in who you are in the moment. Um, and I think that translates really well to being in front of a jury, having stage presence, but also realizing that you're not faking it and you're always giving a, a version of yourself and just having the confidence to, to show your blemishes and show your vulnerability in front of people helps a lot in front of a jury and in what we do with clients as well. Do you
0: think you learned that there or knew it before? Knew it before it got better.
1: Before Hollywood. law school or before Hollywood, yeah. um, I definitely learned to be more vulnerable in L.A. I don't think I saw it as much of an asset as much as I did when I went to law school. You got to remember, in L.A., I'm I'm 20 years old, right? I'm 21 through 30, um, and so at that age, regardless of your training, I think you're not. As confident in who you are as a person, sure. especially being out in L.A. where it's rejection after rejection after rejection, comparing yourself to, you know, really attractive people every day and, and getting rejected quite often, you know, works your self-esteem a little bit. So there's just a lot of insecurity in that you're dealing with when you're out in L.A. Whereas when I went to Baylor and learned to kind of use those talents that I had, I was more secure in who I was at that point.
0: Were you told that you had to wear boots in trial? Because I was. But that's an aside. Um, The next thing I want to talk to you about, you're really involved uh, in the city. You're really involved in some organizations. Why is it important to you uh, to be involved in the community in which you
1: work? I think it's important to be involved in the community because as lawyers, but generally as people, we have an obligation to – give back and to ensure that the doors that were open for us are open for the next generation Uh, on a selfish kind of angle. I think also that you don't really see how well you've got it until you try to give back to people that are most vulnerable or try to try to tackle a problem. So being in the position to be able to give back or to have the free time or uh to be financially stable enough to donate to a cause and to give time to a cause is also very self-fulfilling. So I think it's important to help the community, but it's also, it, it can be a little selfish as well. Enjoyable.
0: Yes. Yeah, um, I, I, I've had a few people on and, you know, it sort of run the gamut between lawyers that are less experienced than you to lawyers that are you know national spotlight what are some of the things that you think are the most enjoyable parts of working a case what are some of the things you find to be um, sort of the steepest learning curve uh, in trying a case and just talk to me generally about your sort of views and likes and challenges and things that you find frustrating I mean it's a practice of law we're all learning all the time what are some of the things you continue to learn and have found it to be sort of a steeper learning curve
1: I think for me, the parts that I enjoy about the practice of law are the interaction with the clients, uh, being able to help them when they're the most vulnerable and most needy. With my you know, background in theater and film, I enjoy the storytelling aspects of it. I think that's really where if I can meet a client, get to know them, sit in their living room, and be able to tell their story, I think that's my strength. Where I struggle a little bit more is... You know, personally, I try to be a, a bit of a perfectionist in, in certain things. And so if I don't have something exactly right, it affects my confidence And things like deposing a, a, an expert uh, who's really good, who has tons of experience in a subject where they're well more more versed than I am on. I think that part is a steep learning curve for me because I think, well if I don't have this science down perfectly or if I don't know enough at, as much as the doctor that I'm deposing, it erodes my confidence a little bit. So that's, that's a steeper learning curve to me, as opposed to the opening statements closing, you know, where you're really telling the emotional story of a case. Which I we think that's where get to do so rarely anymore. I mean, right. so few cases go to trial. I remember <clears throat> as a young lawyer, I was
0: very, very, uh, kind of like you said, I had anxiety and tension and nerves about making sure I got it subjectively and substantively right. So everything had to be right from the science to my questions, blah, blah. And I remember sitting in a depot with Tim Maloney, who's a, an injury lawyer here in town, and we were working a case together. And I took a great cross, I thought, and I got all the facts and specific admissions that I needed you know, lined up perfectly. And I remember him you know, getting to the witness and saying, yeah, well, whatever you did, the, the bus crashed. Do you think that's a good idea? Is it a good idea to have buses that crash? And I remember just thinking how flippant and nonchalant it was. But it allowed me to come into who I was, I thought, at that point, because I already knew how to prepare substantively. I didn't know how to be myself in those moments, and I was probably a year out of law school. But that that was really important to me. Have you had those moments as a, as a young lawyer, or now you're in your sixth year, seventh year practicing? Seven. So in your seven years, have you had those moments can you recall any of those moments when you've either sat in a trial or sat in a depot and thought, wow, my, the light bulb just went off for me on this thing?
1: I've had those moments deposing defendants. I haven't had those moments in expert depositions yet, um, but deposing a, a defendant a few moments where you know it so well and you know the facts so well that you can throw it away. There's a thing, you know, when, you, when you're when you learning a script or something, you, you get it down cold so well that then you throw it away. And I think in the practice of law, I have only been able to throw it away on on one part of my cases. Sure. I can throw it away deposing a defendant if if I know the story I want to tell because I know it cold enough and I know those facts hard enough to where I'm confident that I can bring around whatever point I'm trying to make even if we get lost in the weeds. Whereas with an expert, sometimes if I get lost in the weeds, it's still hard for me to come back. I don't have at this stage in my career kind of this overall confidence that, hey, I can get this guy to do whatever I want. Let's just see I remember thinking
0: that exact same feeling, and I remember trying a case early on in my career and realizing that if you're in the weeds, all 12 of those people are in the weeds too. So it it's funny how this – One reason I love what we do is it changes every day. Every time you take a deposition, you learn something. Every time you feel insecure, you realize that we all feel insecure about things because we're all learning, but I remember thinking that same thing and thinking, how can I ever go head-to-head with them? But at some point, they get into the weeds so much, nobody's going to believe them because nobody's going to know what they're saying, which is kind of a double-edged sword on our end, too, that we have to ask good questions that people can understand Moving forward, what are some of the the things that you really want to learn more or get better at? I know you recently tried a case, and the defense lawyer told me how incredible you were. I mean, he went on and on about how good you were. But outside of that, uh, what are some of the areas of what we do day to day that you want to get better at?
1: Well, thank you for that. I think in that trial in particular, the one you're speaking of, I did. that was one of those moments in closing where I thought, they're with me. You know, I they're con- felt we're, con- it. we're connecting emotionally. I'm like I, they're with me, and that felt really good. Um, so so thank you, you know, to that lawyer for that compliment. Um, I I want to get to that point, uh, with the science. Um, you know, that in our, in my practice we deal primarily with a lot of car wrecks, so you know, there's the science of you know, spinal injuries, but also the science of reconstructing an accident, and those are the two types of Experts that I primarily deal with, and I and I would like to get more comfortable in that area. And at a certain point, I think it's kind of realizing that, hey, you know enough to go attack this guy. You know, you do, you don't have to put yourself through eight years of med school to, to to be confident enough to to go head to head in a deposition with those guys.
0: Because they're always going to know the science better.
1: They are, yeah. and. And I think when... If you
0: were getting $1,000 an hour for a depot like most of those doctors, wouldn't you know it better?
1: I would. (laughs) Well, if I also went to school with them, right? And and the most experienced trial lawyers and the ones that, that I look up to, they know that, right? So they're a little more relaxed in those depots, right? And a little more confident. And I think that's where, you know, my anxiety is through the roof in those depositions. And I'd like to get to the point where I can... Where that kind of subsides. Anxiety makes you work harder Yeah,
0: and prepare more.
1: Well, it's a double-edged sword, right? Yep. Because how much, where's the trade-off? Where's that sweet spot is something that I think we're. One of
0: my mentors for. would torment me with the anxiety as a young lawyer. If I was preparing for something and he knew it, I would get texts early and late about, did you do this? Did you think about that? And it just drove me nuts. But I mean, it made me a better lawyer. It made me do. It made me work harder than I would expect to. Okay, Stephen, we're trying to make these kind of short and and, and pithy, if you will. Um, We're going to have you back on at some point. We'll talk about sort of how you're progressing. I hope this podcast provides sort of a a local sounding board for our local bar, which I think is sort of the most special in Texas because we all get along. We all like each other. We all help each other. So thank you, and we'll have you back
1: on. Thank you.